I'm sure that PCOS added to or was one of the foundations of the reason I believed that I had to diet. I like I would hear people talk about intuitive eating. I would hear, you know, this and that, different ways to heal. I I there were times when I was like, I think I have a problem with food, but I have to. Like I have to get this under control. I am hurting myself by eating or whatever or what, you know, I, it just the, the stakes felt so high because of what I believed was the cause of PCOS. I thought it was food, I thought it was weight, and I thought it was carbs and sugar. Move away from the shame and feel less alone. Welcome to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast, where you will find companionship and never another diet. Hosted by nutrition experts, Julie Duffy Dillon and Kimmy Singh. We want to walk alongside your PCOS journey. There's a comfortable spot at the table waiting just for you. Let's begin. Chapter four, Caroline Duner and how PCOS recommendations started her eating disorder. Hi, and welcome to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon. And I am Kibby Singh. We're so glad that you're here. We put this show together with you in mind, and we hope it provides you the companionship that you're looking for as you navigate your PCOS journey. Kimmy and I have worked really hard to put this show together to shine a light on voices often not heard in PCOS circles. You will hear from people like Jess Baker, Ivy Felicia, Sophie Carter-Khan, and many others. Every interviewee was asked a series of questions about their PCOS journey, and this episode features Caroline Duner. She's a wellness coach and body image expert. She's also author and podcaster behind something called The Fuck It Diet. And I want to announce that now because you're going to hear the word fuck a lot. So if there's listeners that won't like that word or you don't want them to hear that word, you may want to just turn the volume down. (laughs) So we're going to start today's Mm -hmm. episode like we start every chapter of the PCOS and Food Peace podcast with a listener question. We gathered these questions on Instagram through our Facebook community and email newsletter. Today's question comes from our Instagram page. Check us out on Instagram at Food Peace Dietitian and at Tasting Abundance. So the handle name Intuitive Eating Simona asks us, my doctor won't test me for PCOS since there's no cure, but say I should, he says I should eat less sugar and exercise regularly. But I, I've had the eating disorder mindset due to restrictions. I'm not willing to change my diet and I'm at risk for an eating disorder again. So what do I do? Do I really need restrictions to make it better? Oh, I don't, you know, Kimmy, like reading this question, I have a, um, I can't get past something in there. Like I know that really what this person's asking about is help continuing to recover from an eating disorder while managing PCOS. But there's something about her doctor not wanting to test her because there's no cure for PCOS. So like why have that information just makes me feel really angry. Um, I don't know if you had that reaction. Yeah, I feel like there's um, a really consistent story about people with PCOS feeling like doctors are withholding information or not seeing them as worthy of having information about their health. And I think this is definitely another instance like that. Oh, it's so horrible because like knowledge is power. Isn't that the cheesy saying? So like why would <laughs> that like just because we don't have a cure for it, should we not know about it? I don't know. It just seems like so old school and so not helpful. And and also uh, making the judgment for the person. You know, I think she should be able to be the one to decide what happens to her body and what she knows about it. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, but on to what she was asking about with the eating disorder. Um, I feel like for so long when I was working with people with eating disorders and also experiencing PCOS, I felt stumped by this. It was something that was really hard to put together because the first line of treatment for PCOS is pursuing weight loss and restricting food intake. And I had known from working in eating disorders for a while that like the number one way to help people to recover is to say, make sure you never go on another diet and make sure you don't like limit yourself unless you absolutely are going to like go into anaphylactic shock, you know, Um, because that's enough to trigger the genetic susceptibility for the eating disorder to turn back on. 
And so I know it can be really challenging, but the the part that helped me to kind of make peace with the two of them is really appreciating that restrictions and pursuing weight loss, they don't work long-term. So they're really not the solution anyway for managing PCOS and aligning with our body and listening to what our body says while also doing things like taking medications or supplements. Like that you can trust the body to give that information as long as the body is supportive and safe, you know? And so helping yeah. to make that happen to me is more doable, more sustainable and um, more long-term. So I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Kimmy. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. I think that with restricting, we all know what it, where it leads to for everybody, but especially for people with PCOS, you have to find that gentleness with your mm-hmm. body and your desires around food. Right. Yeah. So, so yes. Um, Instagrammer, you know, what's uh, Simona, uh, intuitive eating Simona. Um, just know that you can continue to work on recovery and, and, and work towards recovery and not pursue, um, these like weight loss or these diets, like this, um, person is suggesting you can do that for sure. And, and leading into what your body's saying is a way to, to start to do that. I'm excited to share our interview with Caroline Dooner, and we're going to hear from Caroline in just a moment. We're going to pause right now, though, for a short commercial break. This Q&A segment is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. My name is Julie, and I help women with PCOS to promote health, make peace with food, and radically reconnect with their own innate wisdom. I know it's probably been a long time since you felt like you could align with your body. You've been pushed to diet and diet and diet, no matter how hard it is. And I have a feeling just like so many people that we interviewed for this podcast that you also were dismissed and told just to try harder, even when it hurt. Well, after working with hundreds of women with PCOS, I've come up with a 12 step system that helps people with PCOS move away from diets and finally reconnect with that innate wisdom that they were born with. You were born with it too. I believe that you can do things like intuitive eating, mindful eating, all those non-diet approaches that you probably have heard other people do, you can too with PCOS. It just looks a little bit different at times. And that's what this course is all about. It's not another diet. Oh my goodness, totally not. Because I have been working for the last 20 years to help people move away from them. And so this is something that's different and unique and you won't be able to find anywhere else. A little bit about the course. It's self-paced and it's all downloadable. So whether you learn best by video, audio, or just reading, you get access to all those different formats. There's also a workbook involved that helps you dive even deeper and a support community that helps you connect with other people going through those 12 steps. The course also includes bonuses like a pre-diabetes or diabetes module. So if you are affected by that, you also can experience food peace as well. There's another component to help with advocating for better care, which is oh so important and a really big part of this podcast. So if you're interested in learning more, go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast. There you can connect with this course and there's also a course for dietitians. So maybe you work with a dietitian or you are one and you wanna learn how to do this type of system. I have a course for that too. So go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast for all the details. If you decide that the time is right for you to do the course, keep in mind, I have a special podcast coupon code. What you do when you go into checkout, it'll ask for a coupon code and just put the word in podcast and you will get 25% off the course. So again, go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast and you'll get all the details. And I am so excited for you to check it out. And I really think this is an important step that if the time is right, is something that can help you to feel more at home in your own skin. And honestly, everyone deserves that today because you are worthy and valuable just as you are. Kimmy and I are thrilled to share our interview with Caroline Dooner. She's the creator of The Fuck It Diet, where she teaches chronic dieters how to heal their relationship with food and weight. 
I have a feeling you've been on a diet or two in your lifetime, so you're really going to appreciate what she has to say. You can follow her on Instagram at The Fuck It Diet and get her free intro course over at thefuckitdiet.com. Her first book, titled, of course, The Fuck It Diet, will be coming out in major bookstores in March 2019. And if you're listening to this podcast in real time or soon after release, you will be able to pre-order it very, very soon. If you're in a place where you're struggling on whether or not to move away from a diet to control your PCOS, we think this interview is going to give you some insight that only you have. It's going to ask some really important questions for you, and I hope it helps you decide. The interview with Caroline is next, following this brief commercial from our sponsor. This PCOS and Food Peace podcast is being brought to you by Theralogics, the makers of Avocetol, an inositol supplement with a blend of myo-inositol and dechiro-inositol and the body's optimal ratio of 40 to 1. Inositols are nutrients that help to decrease insulin resistance, promote menstrual regularity, restore ovulation, and balance hormone levels. In convenient powder form, Avocetol can be enjoyed in your favorite beverage or smoothie. Available in both a canister and convenient single-serving packets, Avocetol contains 100% pure inositols with no additives. It also is the only inositol supplement that I recommend to my clients with PCOS because it does have that very important 40 to 1 ratio and is third-party tested. Order online today at Theralogics.com. That's T-H-E-R. A-L-O-G-I-X.com. And during checkout, be sure to use my PRC code 127410, and you will get an exclusive PCOS and Food Peace podcast discount. Also, be sure to listen to the end of this episode, where we will give you the opportunity to win a free 90-day supplies of Avocetol. So go to Theralogics.com and use the PRC at code 127410. Hi, Caroline. Hey. Tell us how you figured out you have PCOS. So I was 14 years old and I had, I was late getting my period. My body had developed already. I had super big boobs, like all of a sudden in like a half a year. Um, But I didn't get my period. And when I finally did, it wasn't regular for a while. So I might have been like almost 15 at this point. And my mother was very overworried, which definitely bled into then my experience with PCOS. But um, we were at the doctor and my dad's sister had PCOS. And so she was just so worried that I had it. She had been on her mind. And, um, and she asked them to test and they tested my hormones and essentially I had high testosterone. And so they said, well, she probably has PCOS, um, but we're going to do the ultrasound. And basically in that doctor's office, I was 14, almost 15. I have always been like a pretty, um, low weight set range, but it was all relative of course at the time. Cause I had just gone through puberty. They were like, okay, well, we're just going to put you on the pill and you need to go on a diet and keep your weight down and exercise. So low carb, low fat and, um, start exercising and you'll be fine. We'll just manage this. And I was like, okay. And basically I like, that was the beginning of an eating disorder because I believed that it was like super justified to be really obsessed with food and weight to manage, or in my case, I believed that I was going to heal, like miraculously heal PCOS through becoming super, super skinny. That was like what I believed. Um, and it's what I tried to do for a really, really long time. So that was how it all began. Wow. Wow. So, well, first of all, that sucks so bad that that like started this horrible eating disorder experience. And I wish doctors, healthcare providers in general, just got a clue about that. Like how giving that just blanket statement, Hey, um, just cut out a whole macronutrient and, um, be super anal retentive about your food for the rest of your life. 
Good luck. Right. <laughs> and they say it in this casual way too. Like it's this super simple thing. Yeah. And I also, I believed at that point that I was a food addict and in a way I was sort of in this, I was never a dieter um, by definition. Um, and I never, until this year when I went through puberty, I never thought about my weight. I was, was a very thin child but I was obsessed with food because my mother was a health nut. And so Mm. I was going through the, I didn't know this, but I was going through the whole restrictive mindset, super young. And I was sort of doing like the binge, the binge cycle just by nature of like, whenever I had a chance to eat junk food, I would go crazy because I knew that it might be my only chance for a really long time. Mm. So I only know this now back then I was like, whoa, because my brother and I were the same way. We were both like super quote unquote obsessed with food. And we really were, I mean, like we were more obsessed than our friends because we felt like we didn't have access to like the food that we really wanted, the the fun junkie food that, you know, all kids want. Um, and so of course my mom was like, you guys are obsessed with food. And she would like control it even more and have mm. more rules trying to be a good mom, of course. And we were obsessed with food, but it just made it so much worse. And so at 14, going through puberty, gaining weight, like I literally was like wearing a bra size E, like, and, you know, six months before I was, didn't have boobs at all. So it was like a very drastic change. Um, And so I felt uncomfortable in my body. But also when a doctor said to me, you need to watch what you eat. I was like, Oh God, okay. This makes sense. Like I, I have a, I'm, I guess I have a problem with food and now it's affected my health. So it felt like my fault. Like I had done this to myself. Mm. I can totally see how that would like snowball into like this out of control. Like, Oh, I'm out of control of food. That's why my boobs are out of control. And if I just kind of reel it in, then maybe my boobs won't keep growing and, um, I'll cure this. And so that's the kind of how you walked out of that meeting where you got that diagnosis of like, Oh, I can, I can fix this then. I can fix this. And I think I immediately went on the Adkins diet. This was what year would this have been? Like 2002. I feel like the Atkins diet was like in some huge resurgence. It was like the beginning of the, the like low carb craze. So I, and I lost like a lot of weight really fast. And then that, and then of course, you know, it didn't last and everything just got so much worse. And I got like, I went very, very quickly into extreme obsession and it never, like that was always the pinnacle of like, if I can do, if I can do the Adkins again, like I did that, that summer when I was 15, (laughs) then I'll be healed. Like it was just this constant thing that I was striving for that never happened and never worked. Mm -hmm. And it just got worse and worse. It was bad. (laughs) Well, and here's the thing I, you know, your experience is super like your experience, but I know so many people who've told me like almost the exact same thing that like they just felt this chaos and chaos and chaos. And they're like, well, if I just could control it better, then, then I'm going to be all right, you know, or I'll fix it. Or the reason why it's so chaotic is because I'm doing it wrong. Exactly. And this is my fault and I am totally out of control. And if I could just like, I had a, I I was raised Catholic. So I had this very like, oh my gosh, I'm such a glutton. Like what if I would like pray to be better? And like, it was a mess, but yeah, I have connected with so many people who have had such similar experiences and, and, um, have gone through that, you know, same like shame spiral of, um, just basically blaming it all on themselves. And that's the worst place to be. So since that diagnosis, how has your relationship with healthcare professionals been in relation to your PCOS treatment? That's such a good question. Um, so for a good couple of years there, I went, I was going, I was going to a very, you know, Western doctor. I was doing all the things that they told me to do. Um, and we tried all of the, I mean, I, I went on metformin. I went on the pill. I, I for, I kind of forget. I, it was so traumatic. I almost blocked it all off, but I basically, I did what they told me to do and it wasn't working essentially. And so I went a supernatural route after that. And that also didn't work. But looking back, I was 
a complete, like I was a mess with food. I was so, so like, and there was just no way to heal in that state. Um, but uh, so basically I tried quote unquote, everything from very, very, um, standard Western medicine to very, very alternative. And then of course my crazy raw vegan paleo, whatever kind of diet I tried to do, you know, (laughs) energetic healers, like across the board, I tried everything. Um, and then I sort of gave up for a couple years and that was also kind of around the time uh, before, so I, when I was 24, 10 years after that is when I started the fuck it diet, both for myself and I started writing about it. Um, and in those couple of years before then I was sort of in this, the fuck it health thing where I was like, nothing has worked. I just need to like, see what my body does naturally. And then since then I've sort of tried a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I work with a natural doctor right now who is amazing at dealing with like the core core of more chronic health stuff. But I rebelled hardcore against doctors who I didn't think helped me at all for a long time. Um, and I'm definitely wary. I mean, I definitely take everything with a grain of salt and I, it kind of, it definitely rocked my trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the, in, you know, the, the blanket statements that they'll say and the, the, you know, advice that they'll give. I really, I, I feel like I need to do my own research now. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's a shame because there are wonderful doctors out there and there are things that, you know, really can be helped by, by Western medicine, but this chronic health stuff, in my experience, it isn't always one of those things. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I think, um, especially when fat phobia is a part of it, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, metformin and the pill or, you know, some of those things, and then also like natural alternative types of treatments for PCOS, those are tools that I know lots of people have used and have helped them. But when you put like, oh, you also need to like watch your weight or you also need right. to pursue weight loss, well, that's right. just going to fuck with all of it. And because so, it, yeah. it, it feels like for some reason, I mean, in this culture and the way that they say it too, that's like, well, that's your biggest problem, right? Like that's yeah. what we really need to focus on. And that, whereas it's not like that is the big scapegoat, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of people with PCOS, when they have that diagnosis, they're, t- they're given those blanket statements, they're told to go on these extreme diets. So even when they're given other advice, it's really hard to really trust the medical provider that doesn't seem to respect your body as is. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hence the trauma. I mean, you that's a, that was such a great way to, to like put that all together was like you were traumatized by going yeah. to these, these people who are supposed to help you. Yeah, yeah, truly. But, yeah, and you know, it, it seems like almost like a pendulum that you experienced of like, um, they told you what to do. You did exactly what they told you and it didn't yeah. work. And so then you said, fuck them. <laughs> and then right. so you're right. on this other side. And then somehow you kind of came to this place of meeting the right people for you to give you the insight that works for you, but always, always checking it with like what works for you, like trusting your own instincts still along the way, you know, gosh, take, that took a really long time. And and it's really hard because it does kind of take a bit of luck to, to, to trust that you're going to find the right people for you and the right support. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you also had to be able to trust your body and trust yourself with those decisions. Oh yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I feel like switching between um, different types of medic- medicine can almost feel like switching between diets where it feels like it has to be one extreme or the other. But ultimately, you know, you can pick and choose what works for your body. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. The the body trust thing is is the biggest thing with with food and with any sort of supplement or medicine or healthcare provider. So how did you or how do you tell your loved ones about your PCOS? Um since it all started when I was in high school. My it was kind of like it was this not very great focus for my mother and I because She, I mean, truly out of the love in her heart was trying to cure me and learn everything she could about it and buy every supplement and take me to any sort of, 
you know, nurse practitioner, doctor, natural. I mean, she was like, she really, really cared. However, we were still looking at it through this diet and weight lens. So it was super destructive and very stressful. She has been like the point person all along. And she truly, you know, through time and explaining to her what this did to my mind and my body and my heart and the way that I relate to myself, she, you know, she gets it now. Um, but it was a very intense relationship and experience to go through in high school and college with her. And she'd already been the health nut. Like I was obsessed with food because she was this health nut before. So it was, it was, it was nuts in that way. And other than that, I mean, I tell friends, I explain at this point, I don't have this shame about it before I had this shame about it because I believed that it was my fault that I had caused it. And I was continuing to cause it because of my eating and binging, which is because of dieting. But, uh, so I didn't really talk about it. I think I would mention it to my best friend or my best friends. Um, and then maybe when I was on some crazy diets in college, I would say, well, I, you know, I have health stuff and hormonal stuff. So that's why I eat, only eat raw food or whatever. So I would like, but it was always, you know, me trying to explain why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. Why am I taking the supplements that I'm taking? Why am I so tired? Why? Um, but in more recent years, I, so I, I've now been diagnosed, which is interesting. And I do think that it connects here, but it's not the everyone's reason that they have PCOS, but I definitely had very, very high heavy metals, um, which I've learned more recently and some like chronic viruses as well, which can be for some people can be like an uh, even deeper cause of hormonal stuff and PCOS symptoms. So now I've sort of been doing all this, this, uh, this work with this natural doctor sup- to support my body, to support my liver. So I still am kind of in this funny, uh, like in this chronic health healing world. And I tell people I'm very, because I write about this, I'm, I'm very open about it now. Um, but the funny thing is that PCOS isn't my focus anymore because the symptoms, I definitely still have symptoms like, like oily skin and acne, which has gotten better, but it's still there and some excess hair. Um, but a lot of the symptoms have gotten a little bit better from focusing on some of the things that I have that are even below the PCOS. So I'm I've now become somebody who's like, well, I have some chronic health stuff and I'm sort of always dealing with it. And I'm not perfectionistic about it anymore because you can't be. Um, but I have now become a person who sort of just talks about it all of the time, <laughs> you know, in a, in a way that I try to not be like dogmatic about it because who knows, you know, what's right for other people. But um, I am a person who's like, yeah, I have chronic health stuff and I'm figuring it out as I go. That's awesome. I'm, I, you know, it's, it's really neat to hear how that story changed over time, you know, how it did that. One thing I'm curious about, cause you've talked about your relationship with food and, and anyone's listening who is not familiar with your work, they need to check out the fuck it diet, the, the podcast, the fuck it diet, your book that's coming out, like all those things, um, yeah. that are, um, all of your work are, they're amazing. And so you've been someone that's shared for years now about your relationship with food and how do you put together like PCOS and how it it specifically affected your relationship with food? That's a good question. Um, well, I'm sure that PCOS added to, or was one of the foundations of the reason I believed that I had to diet. I like, I would hear people talk about intuitive eating. I would hear, you know, this and that different ways to heal. I, I, there were times when I was like, I think I have a problem with food, but I have to, like, I have to get this under control. I am hurting myself by eating or whatever, or what, you know, it just, the, the stakes felt so high because of what I believed was the cause of PCOS. I thought it was food. I thought it was weight. And I thought it was carbs and sugar. 
Um, so I just had this, I was just constantly trying to eat the smallest amount possible and, or the smallest amount of carbs possible. And I was always hungry and I was always thinking about food and, you know, it, I'm really not sure how much I personally had insulin resistance. Like, I don't know what level it ever was. I, I really don't think that I have it now. It's possible that it was like a, like a, you know, you know how PCOS, there are so many different symptoms you can have in different, you know, quantities. I don't know that it was ever my biggest one. Um, but I definitely believed that I was obsessed with food because there was something broken in me and what I've come to believe, what I've come to understand and see firsthand, you know, over many years of being healed with food now that for me at least, and for many people, it was their diet that was causing the binging and the obsession with food. Um, and I really, Julie, I loved listening to your one interview, I think that you did with Lara Thomas, where you were kind of explaining how important carbs are for people with PCOS and that you can support the body with um, either supplements or with metformin or other things like that, but that actually cutting out food and cutting out carbs is not going to heal the core problem. And I just thought that was just so, just to hear it out of your mouth was amazing. And that that is the way that I think of healing is supporting the body um, to function optimally, but not starving it or punishing it. Yeah. And I, that's the big problem that I have with medicine right now with PCOS is that it, it expects anyone with PCOS to have to torture themselves. Like you just have yeah. to cut out the carbs and feel like shit. And right. I really, I feel like that's putting the cart before the horse. I'm like you don't have to like cut out the carbs to manage insulin. Like there's like right. so many things that you can do that are going to be actually feel good good and make you be like, oh, I want to do more of this instead of like, exactly. I just need to feel like shit all the time. Um, no, like there's lots of things we can do. And um, that's where I feel like my like cheesy thing I always say is, is carbs are not PCOS's en enemy. Fat phobia is like yes. that constant, like how you were saying you just had to eat a smaller amount and as less as, as little as possible. And that would mean that you're doing the least amount of harm to yourself. And nice. honestly, that kind of, um, push to feel like you had to just keep dieting and dieting, dieting as, as hard as you could. Um, that probably was increasing insulin more than anything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, completely. And that was definitely my experience. And I had this sort of like, I call it an epiphany because I don't know how to explain it any other way, but it was in this moment, I was, I was paleo at the time. So I was trying to eat the smallest amount of carbs possible. It was like my last ditch effort to try and quote unquote, heal myself from PCOS because, you know, they claim to heal things, especially <laughs> things like PCOS. And, um, I was binging and I was so upset. I was like, I can't believe I'm still doing this. And I started, I feel like there were some paleo people who were starting to speak out about how going low carb ruined their hormones. And I was, it was blowing my mind because in my brain, I believed that carbs were bad for your hormones. And to hear that going low carb actually screwed up people's hormones and, um, and gave them the symptoms that I was experiencing that I was attributing to PCOS. Um, it genuinely blew my mind and I started listening more to these people and researching this more. And then I had this epiphany that I had basically caused and perpetuated this relationship with food that it was never, ever going to end unless I deliberately stepped out of it and became okay with whatever weight gain needed to come and stay. Um, and that, my health would sort itself out or I would figure out health after I went through that process. Mm. It was a, it was like all in one day, all in one moment. I, it was like a weird download of like trust and this conviction. It was very, it was very extreme. Um, and it was the thing, it was what became the fuck it diet. But, um, I just, I had suffered so much for so long and it had been, my worst enemy for so long. And I just in, in a moment sort of understood that this wasn't good for my health. This wasn't good for PCOS. This wasn't good for my relationship with food or my happiness. And it wasn't sustainable. And um, that was the big switch. And it wasn't like it all healed in a day, but the conviction and the, 
um, the journey began there and it's, it's been going in that direction ever since. And it's bleeding into other things like the way that I talk about health and chronic health stuff with people. Well, that's so amazing. That's like an extreme switch, but I can't imagine the buildup from the time you're 14 and that's all you learn about PCOS is that carbs are bad. And yeah, I can't imagine how enlightening that was and how freeing it was. It was amazing. And I, I didn't have anyone like Julie, you know, telling me that this was fully legit for PCOS. Like I wish that I had, but there was just something inside of me that was like, this is wrong. Like this isn't working anymore. And I don't really know what the answer is. I don't really know why, but I'm going to like, like find my way in the dark and like figure out another way to approach this, which is why when I hear people like you guys talking about this and talking about PCOS specifically with why on a very like biological level, um, dieting and and restricting carbs is not helpful. I just get so excited because it was this very intuitive thing that I was following, but to hear, you know, to, to finally, you know, obviously immediately I did all the health at every size research, um, to see how weight and health were not, you know, as connected as we've all been told. But, um, but just the more I hear about the, this, the more excited I get, the more people are going to get the message. It's really exciting to me. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it is really exciting. And it's so great that Julie's kind of started a revolution in the PCOS. <laughs> I know. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I know you've mentioned other chronic conditions a couple of times. And I would love to learn how you perceive um, PCOS and other chronic conditions in the realm of body positivity. Mm. Um, that's such a great question. I basically I have come to very strongly believe that weight and for the most part, the way we eat is not the cause or the big problem with both PCOS and other chronic health problems. And I'll kind of go into what, what I experience and what I have experienced, but that it is this big scapegoat um, and really it comes down to genetics. It comes down to environmental, um, you know, overload combined with genetics. Like what can your body handle or not handle that may be different from somebody else? Um, and stress, I mean, stress is when I look at my particular symptoms and the way I sleep and energy level and skin um, and stress is like the, um, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like I can handle so many things. And then if you add in chronic stress into the mix, it just is too much for my body. And it, it totally, like, I really need to take a step back and, and sort of take care of myself. And then for me, some chronic viruses have been kind of in my picture, like Epstein-Barr, um, has, has been something that's definitely affected my health and it may have coincided with PCOS. It may have something that it may be something that came later. I'm not fully sure exactly how it's worked together. Um, but I just, the, the scapegoating with weight is something that breaks my heart at this point, because that is the first thing that people go to. That's the first thing that the doctors go to. And it's the first thing that, you know, patients themselves will assume this is my fault because I eat this way or because I, or more likely because I am this size. And that that's just, the focusing on that is just not going to help. It just puts us in this, talk about stress. Mm -hmm. It just puts us in a shame spiral and just adds to the stress and can make symptoms worse just from that alone. Um, but Yes, the the chronic health thing and the the you know blaming it on weight, whereas weight can be either just a healthy genetic set point or a symptom of chronic health stuff. But then we're blaming it on weight. It's just heartbreaking because we we're all getting caught in this cycle of blaming ourselves and dieting when that's just besides the point. Mm -hmm. I love how you called it the scapegoat. I think that's like the way we eat and um, 
like the things that we choose to do, like what we put in our mouth or how we move our body, how that's the scapegoat. Because really, yeah, the research supports you 100% because genetics and environmental stress and our amount of power that we have in the world, that's like 75% of our health outcomes. Like what we eat or what we eat and move our body, that's like less than 25%. But yeah, the scapegoat, I think that's such a great way to put it because- uh, I think it is just like, well, the problem solved. It's their fault. And I, right. I I really feel like people with PCOS in particular, I hope that they get even like body positivity. Sometimes I think it's co-opted, um, but I know it's how a lot of times people get into this conversation. So I think it's important, but like mm-hmm. even deeper, like fat positivity or body liberation, I think people with PCOS can, um, I feel like I want them to get this so much because for for that condition in particular, like you said, stress is such a big part of it. And mm-hmm. we don't all have access to ways to de-stress. You know, some of it's like no. systemic oppression is going to keep some people stressed. <laughs> and so um, right. there's always so much a person as an individual can do. So, you know, we all that are on this page of like body liberation or, um, if you know, or body positivity, whatever you want to call it, the more we can really support that to help shift the way the world is looking at bodies, I think that's going to help people with PCOS to lower stress because it's going to make some changes. So, yeah. um, and so then it's not that stupid scapegoat, like you said. You know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you think of most chronic illnesses, like there are just so many things to worry about and stress about so if you're on top of that you're worrying about your body and you have shame around the way you move and what you're eating it's just such a recipe for disaster yeah and I feel like the biggest stressor uh for a lot of people is not only that but like I am experiencing this because of something that I have done this is my fault Mm. like that gets kind of like peppered into all of the stress over body and the way you're eating and the way you're moving is then this like deep, um, you know, it's shame really. It's a shame that, that my, my struggles are my own fault when that's not true. It's just, it's so that'll, that'll just put you under. I mean, that is a recipe for, you know, like, you know, that can be part of, of feeling depressed is feeling like I I'm in this cycle and and it's my fault and I don't know how to get out. Yeah. And having PCOS, people are already at higher risk for any mood disorder because PCOS starts in the hypothalamus. So that's where mood is regulated. And, um, what is up with that though? Like why do so many people walk away from the doctor's office saying that, Oh, I caused my PCOS. Like it is legitimately been established that it's genetic. Like right. Like I know. You even said that you're in your family, your dad's sister. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. I know. But yet I was like, no, no. Well, I think I think it's a little bit of well, I definitely think it's the way that they frame it because they say, you know, I think a lot of doctors will say, okay, well, this, you know, this is exacer- you know, exacerbated by the way you eat and move. You need to you need to do better. You know? Mm-hmm. So then you're like, oh man, I've I've done this to myself. And if I can do better, then this will be under control. But then there's this sort of like this thing that we do where we're like, I can heal this. It's like, we want the illusion of control. We want to believe that this is something that will go away, right? If we just work hard enough. So I think both of those things together, just if we kind of delude ourselves um, into believing that it's our fault, but because it's our fault, we can also reverse it. Yeah, and, and I think it plays into even like with medical professionals when they don't know a lot about something. Um, a lot of times they'll blame the patient, especially when the yeah. patient is outside. Right, so right. And, you know, it, it's almost, I feel like it comes as an instinct to them. They're so used to blaming people for their size, and it's just another condition. And so you have this whole misconception that's affecting people's entire lives. And I always think like, now we know better, but how many women live their entire life thinking that they caused their PCOS living with that pain? Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It is. I, I wish I wish medical professionals understood their power in that way. And Caroline, what do you what do you wish more health professionals knew about? Like uh, specifically in this area or any other area with PCOS, what do you wish like they just got more? 
I wish they understood that it's not caused by weight or mm-hmm. carbs. Mm-hmm. That this this correlation and causation confusion causes so much pain and is such a detour. Um, and that I mean, I think that that is ob- obviously that's the biggest um, confusion, I think, for mm-hmm. people. And then the biggest source of of pain and shame that I that I've caused this. So when you tell someone, oh, you know, your weight is really making this so much worse, you really need to work on this. Again, it's the scapegoat again. And and if if <laughs> they all just knew what you know, Julie. <laughs> If they could just, <laughs> just that the carbs are not the enemy. You need to fuel your body. You, the, you know, weight is not the enemy. We need to be befriending our bodies. Um, that stress, I mean, stress, stress is this thing where if you tell someone, oh, you're stressed, like you need to not be stressed. Like that doesn't really work. <laughs> so really giving people, that just causes more stress. Oh my God, my stress is causing, causing my <laughs> So it's more about like having people understand that how shame and stress are so tied together and some, you know, empowering people and giving them tools to, you know, support their body and their, and their emotions. I mean, really an integrative approach is, is what's necessary, but just the understanding that it's not weight and it's not carbs and to be able to support the body would be so great. I really, I really, I think we, I think we can, I think we're going in that direction, but we're not there yet. What is the best and the worst PCOS advice that you ever given? Hmm. The worst was, um, just diet, just, just watch your carbs and fat and exercise. That was the, in this casual, casual way at 14, that was the worst. Um, and then whatever I extrapolated from that, where I was like, okay, great. If I become super, super skinny, it was also this thing I'd like, I, I think my mom read something on some message board that was like something about body weight and estrogen. And like, if you really lower your body weight, it helps with like whatever hormone balance, like, which is just such bullshit. Like it's Mm -hmm. just wrong. But I, I don't know, I like digested that in a way where I was like, okay, so if I become super skinny, I jumped to the next thing. I was like, not only will I manage symptoms, I will heal. Like I just, I, it was this weird, like magical thing where I was like, I'm going to heal this by being super skinny. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyway, that was really bad advice. The best advice, um, really well, like I just said about stress, so really understanding how stress affects your hormones and your health. Um, but it wasn't just being told that. It was then kind of understanding stress on deeper levels, understanding, well, so what causes stress? What is causing these stress? And it's all of the things that we've been talking about right now and the way we relate to bodies and fat and sexuality and taking up space and all of that. And, you know, blaming yourself for not only health stuff, but anything else. I I couldn't just be told, okay, well, stress causes PCOS because that just stressed me out. I was like, well, (laughs) what do I do about that? But actually understanding how, how big that is and how sort of healing that and managing that and having tools for that is sort of this lifelong process. At least that's what I've come to experience and come to think that taking care of yourself, self-care, learning what you need is not something that you can like learn in, in a weekend. It's this, you know, ever evolving process and there's always more to learn and there's always, um, you know, deeper ways to understand what's stressing you out and Mm -hmm. how to take care of yourself, you know? So I do, I think that that, Cause, and then that bleeds into intuition and how you take care of yourself and how you eat and how you like listen to your appetite and what you want and don't want. And it, I think that that bleeds into just bigger ways of truly taking care of yourself, but it's not as simple as being like, well, don't be stressed. 
<laughs> I keep <laughs> laughing when you say that because I'm like, that is totally exactly like the manipulation of that part. And, you know, I, I don't experience PCOS, but one of the things I experienced is infertility. And I feel like it's the same shit there. And, right. you know, stress is causing it. I'm like, well, F you. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, right. if I just didn't think about it, would it happen? No. Um, right. <laughs> but, you know, what? that's what when you were talking about the intuition and really, you know, what I was hearing you say is like, you had to come back to yourself. Like, and cause the only, the, the way to navigate self-care really had to come down to you connecting to what you knew you needed. And then like seeking out answers whenever you couldn't find them, but like, but also checking in like, wait, does that going to work for me? And right. I think that's the big, if I'm one of the things that I wish every person with PCOS really could walk away with is that like, don't, try to ignore your body or the, what it's telling you. Because I think, um, even though PCOS is different, um, I firmly believe people with PCOS can do intuitive eating work. They can reject diets and it may just be different, but that doesn't make it not work. It's just different. And so your body will tell you. And, um, I always say like your symptoms are your guides to what you need. (laughs) Yes. It's so true. Yes. You can like, Yeah. When people ask, okay, well, I have to eat a certain way because I feel a certain way. If I eat a certain thing, like my stomach doesn't feel good. It's like, do do what makes you feel good? Like, and and then just don't shame yourself if you don't do it quote unquote perfectly. Right. That intuitive eating is not one size fits all. It really is allowed to be intuitive and it can be different every day. And you're allowed to quote unquote mess up and keep learning, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, so with that all being said, what tools do you use to help like your emotional health and wellness and maybe physical wellness as well? Mm, um, well, in the fuck it diet slash intuitive eating, whatever you want to call it, the fuck it diet is like a very radical way of explaining how intuitive, intuitive eating should be. Um, that has been, that started like something that just snowballed into the rest of my life. And it's this like deep trust in my body, essentially, um, prioritizing rest, like on a radical level, which has definitely, um, I I feel like that's very similar to the fuck it diet in a way where I'm like, nobody gets why I'm so tired and why I need to say no, you know, to these social things that I don't really feel like doing. But by honoring these things, I come out the other side and I feel so much better and I'm such a, I'm a better friend and I'm able to figure out what I really do want to spend time on. And, um, so that feels like something that's been kind of like level two for me of the fuck it diet. Um, you know, making sure that you have support, a good therapist or anyone else who, um, fulfills a similar role has been really important and wonderful. Um, yeah, eating, rest, and being able to talk through uh, mental and emotional things with somebody you trust. I love it. And sensing so much self-care in there. Yes. Yes. It's it's just a one big self-care fest <laughs> is what I would like to make my life. It's not always that way, but I would like to make it that way. So um, what have you learned about PCOS that surprised you? Um, besides everything else I've said, I think personally, I think it's been really interesting, um, to see how addressing some, some even deeper issues than PCOS. It's like, it's almost like, I definitely think obviously it's genetic and it's like the way that my body, um, expresses overwhelm. Um, and it's, you know, it's genetic in that way, but I also believe that it's almost, they're almost symptoms for me of something even more like deeper and stressful to my body. So, um, working on getting, um, supporting my body to get out some heavy metals that I was essentially born with. Um, and then looking at my symptoms that, that I had pre PCOS, it's really interesting to see that some of these deeper things predated my experience with PCOS. So just to understand that the body really is this very complex um, and, you know, being and that they're all different from each other um, and that supporting my body and, you know, replenishing uh, minerals and things that I was really deficient in has kind of 
helped my PCOS symptoms to sort of naturally regulate. And I would never, I, you know, cured, I would never use that word. I definitely still, you know, that's where I tend. I have PCOS symptoms when things get overwhelming, when I get stressed, when I, you know, can't take care of myself as well, or just, you know, different times. But it's really interesting to see, um, again, like it comes back to like blaming the eating and exercising and body weight is just like such a joke. Like that is not, that's not why we're experiencing, like these things are not our fault. We we're born with genetic expressions and we're living in this world where we can't control the things we come across and we're doing the best we can to support our bodies and like with the resources that we have. Yeah, it's a very strange perspective that I have on PCOS now that my focus has become on other health things. It's strange. Um, and it's something that I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have a full grasp on yet. And I'm sort of like in the middle of this journey, I feel like for me. And, um, and I think that in a couple of years, I'll have a better sense of like what I think about it. But I definitely consider myself somebody with chronic health stuff that I'm like, working through and I may always be working through or like, I don't know, it's kind of this question mark open-ended thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's strange because like there's, I, I feel like I need to like let that marinate for a while because something that's been, I don't know, in my, maybe just how I think about bodies or um, think about experiences is sometimes our body just, is it's a survival thing. And, and PCOS may have been something generations ago that helped mm -hmm. A whole groups of people able to survive some really horrible event, or right. um, maybe there's something to it, like you were saying that it's a deeper kind of issue. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's strange, and I'm really looking forward to whatever you dissect out of this. Me too. <laughs> it seems like it's very on theme with everything else. Like it just seems like you learned a lot about yourself since your diagnosis, and so it. it, it I can relate as somebody with PCOS. I feel like um, as I dive more into it, I, my body keeps surprising me, and it's awesome. Yeah, and and one of the biggest things that has made such a positive difference is taking it from the perfectionism, the the purifying, the perfecting health, like I have to do this right, and taking it to a place where there's no such thing as purity or perfection mm -hmm. with health. It just doesn't exist. And if I can live in that space and still be willing to take care of myself in whatever state I'm in, understanding that perfection and purity is never going to happen, then I'm in this space that's that's way better mm -hmm. and way more supportive. Mm -hmm. Well, we have one more question for you. What do you wish you could tell yourself after receiving your PCOS diagnosis back in 2002? You said you were 14 or 15, right? Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you wish you could tell that that person? Oh my God, would I listen? Would I even listen to myself? <laughs> yeah. I would say, I would say, Caroline, I am from the future. <laughs> and <laughs> you do not need to go on a diet. You are not a food addict. Your body is perfectly fine. All you need to do is support where you are right now and learn how to eat normally and learn, like I would hand myself the book health at every size before any crazy dieting started. Um, I would try to, I would try to talk really, really fast and get in all the information that I could. But the weird thing is, is that I think if I hadn't experienced all that, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the perspective that I have today because it was so miserable that like I had to like hardcore breakaway from cultural ways of looking at eating and body. Um, so I would want to tell myself so many things about health and weight and, and carbs and PCOS, but I, I just don't know if I would have listened. To myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I feel like that's a theme that I've heard from a lot of people over the years is that what a, it was kind of like a stumbly kind of journey, but without that journey, they would have not come to the trust their own innate wisdom. And yeah. I, I wish we could wave a magic wand and this would just be something that we all, well, we're all born with it, but I wish we were all just like given tools to continue to trust it. And, um, yeah, I think it would make the PCOS experience a lot different and, um, 
things like eating disorders, I wonder if they would be happening or, you know, I, know. I don't think they would be as much, but thank you so much for your time, Caroline. We really appreciate it. And if someone would like to get to know your work, where's a good way for them to find you? You can go to the You can pretty much find anything you need over there. Um, ways to work with me. I have like almost 200 free posts that I have, you know, articles that I've written over the past seven years. I have a podcast that's free. You can also find me on Instagram at the fuck it diet. Awesome. Well, I will put all of that in the show notes. It'll be easy for a listener to click on right now. So thank you again so much. I, it's just such a privilege to hear about your experience. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. Do you want more food peace? Go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast for a free download. It's your first three steps toward food peace with PCOS. There, you can also enter in a drawing for a free trial of Avocetol. That's a 90-day supply. Again, go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening. The PCOS and Food Peace podcast was created by Julie Duffy Dillon and Kimmy Singh. Audio editor was Toby Lyles from 24 Sound. Show art by Katie Sanders from Pop and Gray. Music was by Tiny Music entitled Super Pop. Show notes were by Laura King. Thank you for listening. We hope this episode empowers you to experience more food peace.